The students will leave, and what keeps you anchored is that team that hopefully they stick around for years and years and years. Yeah. I began to develop a team, and they just became my friends. So even a bad night at youth group ends with me being with my friends. I don't have to be great at everything, mm -hmm. um, but I need to surround myself with people who make my weaknesses seem irrelevant. When I first started, I had to do everything. But now I've started like, hey, I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at that. And I find other people to do it. The longer you're in a place, the more you get to do what you're really good at. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ministry Coach Podcast. We have a super special episode for you this week. I got the rare opportunity to interview one of my longtime youth ministry heroes who kept me in the game when I felt like throwing in the towel, Mr. Doug Fields, the legend himself. When I was about 19 and a youth pastor and didn't know what in the world I was doing, I remember reading Purpose Driven Youth Ministry by Doug Fields and just my mind was blown. And I still have so many of those practices he talked about in his book. I'm still doing those today. And so I really hope you guys enjoy this interview that we got to do at the DYM 100 conference at Mariner's Church in Orange County, California. And we talked all about what has kept Doug in youth ministry for 40 years, his secrets of longevity, and the best decisions he's ever made in youth ministry. Welcome to the Ministry Coach Podcast, where we bring you weekly tips and tactics to help you fast track the growth and health of your youth ministry. And if you're wondering where Jeff is, he's here. You just can't see him. And today we have a special guest that I'm so excited about, um, Doug Fields. To me, needs no introduction, because if you would have told me in my first I don't know, five years of youth ministry that someday I'd be sitting next to Doug and getting to interview you. I think I would have peed my pants. I would have been <laughs> so excited. And today we're at the DYM 100 conference in Orange County, and we get a few short minutes with yeah. Doug to talk about I mean, it's it's hard to even whatever you want quantify whatever it. you want. Let's I, talk about anything. You tell me. <laughs> okay. Well, first we'll start with uh, we have a small audience here, and they wanted to know, Doug, what's in the cup? Well, this cup right now is water. Water. <laughs> what is usually in the cup? Uh, Diet Coke is usually in the That's, cup. Like, that right, was my guess. Yeah, right after this. You're going to go teach a workshop, which yes. thank you for doing that. And I'm going to go to Del Taco, <laughs> and I'm going to have Diet Coke, and I'm going to have my lunch there. And then I have to prep for tomorrow's tomorrow's part of the conference. So, so is Del Taco your go-to? It's go -to? my go-to. Okay. Here's the deal. When I was, for those that don't know, when I was uh, a pastor at Saddleback Church, which has like at the time maybe twenty to 30,000 people, I was on the preaching team. And so... I mean, I spoke sometimes more than Rick Warren spoke because he wrote a book and he was traveling a lot. And so I'd speak 20 times a year. And in my community, 30,000 people, they everybody knew me. So I had to find places Just to hide. Just 30,000 small. Yeah, like, no, like I know. It's not. 30,000 people, it's, small it's community. Stupid. <laughs> it's stupid big. But it just meant that everywhere I went, yeah. I was 
interrupted. Mm-hmm. And or I mean, that's the that's the coarse way of saying it. But like when you want to get something done, sure. it feels like an interruption. Sure. Obviously, I was love the people and the people have been so gracious. Even I've been gone for a dozen years. I still live in that area and they're still gracious. But I f- drove through a Del Taco one time, way more than you want to know, Kristen. But I drove through a Del Taco. It was about nine in the morning. I looked inside and there was nobody in there. And I wow. thought, I'm going in there. <laughs> and it just became a habit. Like I could get so much work done uninterrupted. And then because nobody goes to Del Taco. Yeah. From yeah. like 830 to about 1115. <laughs> I'm a Taco Bell person myself. Oh, well, that's so. Pepsi products. I can't I can't do that. <laughs> Even when I go to Regal Cinemas now, they change from Coke to Pepsi. Mm. My little bit is when I see the Pepsi thing, I boo. Yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. Well deserved. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a Coke. Everybody Coke knows Coke is better than yeah. Pepsi for sure. OK, Doug, there's a million things I want to know and ask you. But since we don't have a ton of time, I would love to know and I think our listeners would love to know because you have been in youth ministry for. Has it been 30, 40 years? Yeah, 40 years, 40 years. Yeah. And these, you know, we've heard statistics all the time of, you know, the average lifespan of a youth pastor is 18 months or something. I think it's increased. I think those are old statistics. But what would you say? has been the thing that has kept you serving as long as you have? Because I'm sure you've had major ups, major downs. Yeah, absolutely. um, Seasons where things felt like they were going so well and seasons when you felt like, what am I doing with my life? You know? And so riding the wave, riding the ebbs and flows, what has like been the anchoring sentiment, thought, feeling that has kept you going for as long as you have. Yeah. I mean, if I could reduce it to something that everybody can relate to, I would say it would be volunteers. Like I love my volunteer Mm -hmm. team. And so when I'm investing in my volunteers, um, I'm just building a sense of community. So before I did that, like my best friends, when I was in my early twenties, my best friends were teenagers. Mm. Because I didn't do youth ministry right. You know, I wasn't developing a team. (laughs) But as I got a little older and wiser, I began to develop a team. And they just became my friends. So even a bad night at youth group, I was around my volunteers and my Mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. And so even the journeys that I've been on, you know, 11 years at one church, 19 years at another church, 10 years at another, or back to the original church, it's always been the team that I've been around. Mm -hmm. So I'm a team team person. Mm -hmm. So even a bad night, bad Wednesday night ends with me being with my friends. Yeah. So I agree. that's the thing that has kept me like now obviously I have an amazing wife and family and um you know I've was taught as a teenager the habits of spiritual discipline so I I've had a rooted faith for during those years um today we talked a lot about you're not you you're not who you are is not based on what you do. Mm but on what God, who God says you are. And I was taught that at an early age. Mm-hmm. So the success and the failure really didn't matter that much to me. I mean, I always knew that I was, you know, youth ministry was my calling. Even when I proposed to my wife, um, I asked her dad for his blessing. He said, what are you going to do after your youth pastor? Uh, and I said, I hadn't even thought of it. I'm like, I, I, I'm probably going to help youth pastors. <laughs> so I've always had kind of a heart and a passion for teenagers in the church and, um, you know, it, it's it's been volunteers. I mean, volunteers have been right. the lifeline to keep me in the game, especially yeah. when I'm discouraged. And I feel like, I'm sure you agree, like as a young youth pastor, you focus so much on students and then you realize at one point, 
students leave, yep. you know, and if you're lucky, they come back and they become those leaders that you yep. treasure so much, which that's the reward of longevity is students graduate and then students come back and yep. they're your leaders yep. and it's awesome. Yep. But I, I agree the students will leave and what keeps you anchored is that team that hopefully they stick around for years and years and years. Yeah. And so what do you think? Like, sounds like that was like a light bulb moment for you when you kind of transitioned your leadership from students to building a team and that built uh, longevity. What would you say was, and maybe that was the same answer, but what would you say is a lesson that you kind of had to learn the hard way in youth ministry? I think it was like, I can't do it all myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like there was a time in my um, early 20s, I visited another church and I was so discouraged because they were so good and so polished and their like equipment room was bigger than my youth room, like <laughs> of all their props they had and stuff. And and I was really discouraged and, and I just realized that, you know, if I'm going to be the center of our youth ministry, it's always going to be mm-hmm. limited to a small mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of the aha moment. Even, you know, if I would go back and say, what would I tell Doug Fields at, you know, 18 when he started as an intern it was it would be like develop leaders develop leaders so it took me i don't know how long maybe through college and seminary maybe seven years to really figure out like oh youth ministry is about teamwork mm-hmm. um so yeah and now i've already forgot your question i told you i'm on day well, right <laughs> so it sounds like you need to be also I know. Like, we just I've had been, a leader I've been retreat sick and uh day is jack daniels with a little bit of food coloring is i think that's all it is <laughs> So now I forgot the question. <laughs> well, I think you kind of answered it. What did you have to learn the yeah, hard that was, way? That was the hard way is that I I think the principle that came out is I don't have to be great at everything, mm-hmm. um, but I need to surround myself with people who make my weaknesses seem irrelevant. Mm. And so, um, you know, really longevity is it's not um, for me. I do more now that I'm good at than when I first started. I had to do everything. But now I've started like, hey, I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at that. And I find other people to do it. So the longer you're in one place and you're a champion, you're like heroic that you've been in 20 plus years in one place. Mm -hmm. The longer you're in a place, the more you get to do what you're really good at. Totally. Yeah, I think that I like how you said you used to do everything. Yeah. And I think that's the hard thing of a newer youth pastor is they don't have the resources, but that motivation to stay in longer, it's like people eventually come and yeah. opportunities eventually come. I mean, I used to be on the stage like saying this and then I run back and push pow, play <laughs> on this video and now I'm running over here and I'm roughing this game and, you know, going yeah. all over the place. Um, but when you stay long enough, your team starts to build and then the right people kind of come to the table. Was it hard for you to, because I feel like Sometimes people don't give away leadership because they don't have anyone to give it to. Right. Other times no, people don't I give know away. Where you're going? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> leadership because they don't want to. They hold it like they feel this. like they need to be that person. Yeah, sure. and it's very tied to their ego, and yep. it's very tied to their sense of purpose. Was it difficult for you to like hold your ministry with an open hand, or was it just in the beginning like I don't have anyone, I have no one to give it to, or did you have to kind of? put some of yourself aside to platform others. Yes, that's exactly what I had to do. 
And because I like doing all the stuff. I mean, everything you described from roughing the game to running the game to speaking to sound. I mean, I liked all of that mm. stuff. I mean, that was all fun. And when you're starting doing it yourself, you become good at all of those things. So even when you allow somebody to do announcements and back in your mind, you're like, you're not very good at this. Like, I'm, <laughs> right? you know, I mean, one, yes. students don't like announcements anyway, but yeah. I'm way better at announcements. <laughs> so you really have to, you know, I've developed a term that I call a spotlight leader. Like I want to be a spotlight leader and that's mm. putting the spotlight on other people. Mm -hmm. Meaning that, you know, I need to, I need to decrease so others can increase, which obviously has, you know, biblical roots in sure. that. Um, but in ministry, we don't have to work at getting older. You know, we're really good at getting older. I mean, it's just, it's the reality. It's, it's right, right. What we do need to do is work at getting younger. And so we need to empower other people and put the spotlight on other people so that other people can learn to, um, you know, lead and teach and use an expression of their gifts. And when you become what I call a spotlight leader, you're actually a really fun leader to work mm -hmm. for because people want to be around mm -hmm. you because you champion other people, but mm -hmm. you've got to deal with where you were going with it is you got to deal with your own ego mm -hmm. and realize that some people are going to be better. So I, Josh Griffin, who's our mutual friend who I do download youth ministry with is a junior high pastor here is that when he first came out from Michigan, I started using him in different things. And like maybe the third time I ever put him on stage, I went, Oh, he's better than me. Mm -hmm. Like he's way better than me or has the potential to be better than me. He's still did weird things and talk weird and stuff. Uh, but, you know, with some minor adjustments, I'm like, oh, and then now I don't even, I don't even go in that direction. Oh, you want that? Josh is, Josh is so much better at that than, than I am. Um, and you begin, once that ment that mentality has to shift though, sure. like you got to at some point go like, okay, I'm going to be about developing other people, which doesn't mean you don't get to express your giftedness, mm -hmm. you know? So what it means is I get to express my giftedness, but instead of teaching every week, maybe I'm teaching once every three weeks or once every four weeks, mm -hmm. which actually makes me a better teacher. Mm -hmm. It gives our students more of a variety of the body of Christ that they're listening to, mm -hmm. but it does take a heart and a mind shift to say, you know, I don't have to be all things to all people. Right. And did you feel like there was a pain point for you in that to where you like, I just can't do it anymore? Or was it more gradual? Of I think the pain point, if I'm being honest, is you just die a little death each time. Like, oh, I used to love doing that. Or yeah. I, you know, and you miss, you know, and kind of miss it a little bit. But, you know, that pain goes away. But that's where for me, it was like, oh, I wish I was, I wish I was speaking. Like, like when I even go to the main service, I'm on the preaching team. I don't ever want to be a senior pastor. I've never mm -hmm. wanted to be a senior pastor. But Christmas and Easter, I sit there with, why? Because they're bigger crowds. Yeah. You know, if anybody yeah. likes crowds, it's speakers, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, those are the times where I sit there and I'm like, oh, I wish I was a senior pastor. But it only happens twice a year. <laughs> I kind of love what you said there um, because I think so many, like, you know how your father-in-law had said, what are you going to yeah. do after you become a youth pastor? Well, my dad used to always say that to me, you know, like when I was graduating from college, like, when are you going to stop? Like, I think some people see it as like teaching Sunday school. Right. Like, when are you going to get a real job? Right. When are you going to step into your potential? Why did you get an education if you're not going to do any, you know? And <laughs> to hear you say that you've been in youth ministry for as long as you have and you had no desire to be a senior pastor, I think that's like incredibly valuable for a young youth pastor to hear because I think there's this thing where I've heard people say like, oh my gosh, you're in your 30s. What are you still doing in youth ministry? Oh my gosh, you're in your 40s. Oh my gosh, you're in your... And people kind of, there's like this judgment almost. Yeah. Maybe 
maybe you couldn't make it as a real right, pastor. Right. And that's why you stayed in youth ministry. Heaven forbid there could be, that's just the calling on your life. That's the desire of your heart. This yeah. is where I want to be. Not yeah. that I couldn't. I mean, you could have been a senior pastor if you had wanted to. I'd have been a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> bad, 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 bad for me, bad for the church, bad for my family. No, I just never wanted that. And yeah. I think, uh, you know, I was at Saddleback for almost 20 years and in everybody's mind, I was the next uh-huh. senior pastor, but it was never in my mind. Wow. Never in my mind. And so, and, and I don't think that's anything other than just, you know, trying, listening to who God called me to be. I just didn't have, like I said, desired twice a year, Christmas and Easter. Mm. I was like, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could be preaching right now. Uh-huh. But it was mostly because I, one, I have a heart for unbelievers and that's when they come, yeah. Christmas and, and Easter. And, you know, the only person that likes a crowd is a speaker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody else doesn't like a crowd, but a speaker likes a crowd. And so, yes, you know. they always say people like it small leaders like it big. Yeah. You know, they yeah. want to see the crowds and the yeah. people, but the people actually attending our youth groups, our churches, our small groups, they want it to feel small. They want yeah. to feel known, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that makes a ton of sense. And I just think that's a huge encouragement piece though, that that can be a desire. Like I'm in it, like, and that's how I see myself. I told our senior pastor, Chris Brown, I'm like, I assume I'm going to retire and die in my office chair, you know, like this is where I'm going to be. Yeah. And I think young youth pastors need to hear that this can be. Absolutely. Where you- Absolutely. But, but to your point, it's not, it's not valued. Yeah. You know, in the church culture. So you have to find your value somewhere else mm-hmm. outside of that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, even at some of the churches that I've worked at that had a lot of resources, you know, I was, I was paid as the youth pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't, there was people younger than me that were in different positions that were paid more because they had a non-youth position. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Of just the yeah. way that it's viewed or valued, yeah. you know, in different churches and organizations. Yeah. And so as a leader, if you're finding your value in what you do, mm-hmm. you know, and what you're, what, you know, how you're perceived or who you're trying to impress, you're going to be discouraged. Yeah. But if you find your value in what you feel called to do, then, you know, doesn't matter. I remember talking to a youth pastor who was a friend and he said he wanted to transition to being a senior pastor because he didn't care what 12-year-olds thought about him anymore. And I just thought that is such an interesting perspective that like I'm growing out of their opinion and I don't go to work every day like I hope the 12-year-olds think I'm cool. Right. Like but it is that transition to like but this is ministry and our leaders and our teams and the longevity there but if all you're focused on is down here I think you could lose your yeah. motivation yeah. right yeah. right right Okay well I just got our time <laughs> signal um We kind of put you in a bad spot so just so you know we told fine. we told Christian we'd have an hour and then everything started running late, and now she has to teach in just a little bit. And so, yeah, but I feel is, like we really made the not, most of our. This time. is me not wanting to be here. There, or, or this is me. This is not me not wanting to be here. Right. I'm happy. I would talk forever. Well, can uh, I ask you one question yeah. as we exit? Yeah, I feel like I always learn a lot about people when I ask them. Okay. What is the best decision you ever made in youth ministry? In youth ministry. I think one of the best decisions I thought I, before you said youth ministry, I was going to say getting married to Kathy, you know, <laughs> that was the best decision. But then it triggered a thought. I had a decision. Um, Kathy, I used to say to her, you know, oh, if you, if you stop volunteering, 
you know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave youth ministry. Mm. And I was trying to do it as a value statement to her. <laughs> yeah. Like you're so fun to do ministry with and I, you, the girls love you and you're amazing. And I like your support there. And I was trying to really value her. So like when you quit, I quit. Well, in the back of her mind, she's like, oh, I'm not going to be the one that takes down Doug Fields, you know? <laughs> And then it hit me is that I, I think I made a decision. I'm like, wait, I want my wife's enjoyment rather than my wife's ministry here. Mm. So I I was trying to hang on to her being in, in ministry together. And she mm-hmm. was, you know, we had kids and they were little and she was trying to find her spot. And she had her own youth ministry with her own kids. And, and uh, I made a decision that I was like, I just need to release that and not put that that pressure on her. Yeah. And then, you know, she had a season like of four or five years off and then came back and she was a better youth worker than I ever was really mm-hmm. like back in the day. I don't know if you remember this, uh, but we used to have phones hanging on our wall <laughs> oh, and totally cords that. and the With whole thing. With an bit. answering machine. Yes. And yes. Yes. Well, even before answering machines, <laughs> that was revolutionary. But, you know, kids used to call the house and they'd be like crying. You know, Doug, is Kathy there? And I'm like, well, is this Julie? Are you okay? Is Kathy there? <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah. And then talk to Kathy and, you know, Kathy's like ministering to this girl oh. and I'm pacing in the kitchen going like, I'm the youth pastor. And like, she should want to talk to me, you know? And then the kids that called that wanted to talk to me were like, uh, what time is Friday night? And how much money are we supposed to bring? Um, I can do ministry too. <laughs> that's right. I can care for you too. That's exactly right. So I that was a weird answer, but when you said what's the best yeah. decision, my mind went to my wife because we've been married almost forty years, and she's amazing. I love that. Um, and she's been a, such a significant part of our ministry. But I I had to kind of release that idea yeah. of us being a one two combo forever. I know. And um and that was good. It was good for good for her. And that's what ultimately is. I want her empowerment, not not my selfishness so yeah it's funny when i asked that question to our senior pastor chris he said the same thing oh really i said what was the best decision you made in youth ministry he said we're marrying my wife amy because she was so supportive of his ministry he goes the youth ministry life isn't for everybody Mm -hmm. you know kids calling Mm -hmm. your house kids coming over kids crashing on the couch you know being called out and sometimes the schedule's so unpredictable so somebody that can be in there with you but then like I can relate with that. Jeff used to be one of my volunteers and that was like the coolest time in ministry. Yep. And then we had kids and yep. then he can't. Yep. It's just yep. Yep. different now. Yep. He doesn't come to youth group anymore. And yep. I miss that so much because they loved him. Absolutely. You know, and then you see that part of your spouse. You're like, we're doing this together. Like there's something so cool about getting to do ministry with your spouse. But at the same time, the church hires us, not our spouses. That's right. And so there's no requirement on them. I would never want a young youth pastor to think, oh, my my spouse has to do ministry with me. But it is a really cool time in your marriage or yeah. your dating relationship yeah, to get absolutely. to do it together. Well, that'd be so. a fun thing to talk about sometime. Yeah. I don't really do podcasts. You don't. You're not doing this right now. You're not even here. We're just talking youth ministry. <laughs> this is AI Doug, but he's really that's a right. Del Taco. That's right. That's right. Now, <laughs> a diet coke. That's what I should do is I should just create an AI and do podcasts for me. Be perfect. No, what a treat. What a treat. Well, and I'm a you. big fan of yours and your ministry and anybody that's has stayed at their church. I'm serious. 20 years or more is yeah. heroic. So there's very few people in the youth ministry space that I 
they're heroes. And <laughs> if you've been there one more than 20 years, you're in that spot. So thank well, you for what you're doing. We're in the club too, I guess. There you go. Right? It's been fun. Well, thanks, Doug. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching and listening. And we'll see you next time. And the live audience went crazy. I know. Yeah. I was like, I got to get a quick little Woo. video. Now let's get one this way. There it is, everybody. (laughs) Very fun.